Hello and welcome back to another episode of the IBC Podcast, where we sit down and dive deeper into our messages as well as talk about what's going on in the life of our church. Welcome back everyone to the number one podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, LimeWire, the IBC Podcast. Happy Halloween or the day after Halloween or two days after Halloween. For our top three today, Jeff, I want to know your top three favorite candies. Uh, so no particular order, an Almond Joy, a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, well, preferably the Reese's Peanut Butter Eggs or Pumpkins. They have the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. And, and they're then, always fresh. Yeah, always. Yep. And then uh, M&M Peanuts. So... Yeah, those those are those are the top three. I give you two out of three mm-hmm. on those. I'm not sure about almond joy. Yep, I was not a fan, and then in my older age, I guess I yeah. became a fan. That, that, so. That's what happens as mm-hmm. you get older, I guess. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. good. So, uh, yesterday um, we looked at, or on Sunday looked at um, Titus chapter one verses five through nine to kind of summarize a little bit about what you talked about Sunday morning. Yeah, so that's where Paul specifically states to Titus. Uh, the purpose of why he left him in Crete, really to put things in order and to establish church leadership. And so he um, instructed him to appoint elders in every town. Uh, and so Titus was to move from town to town and and uh, identify uh, leaders who would serve in the role of elder and overseer. And uh, he gave qualifications. We summarized them into three categories that an elder is to be um above reproach, live above reproach, is to lead his family well, and then uh, to hold fast to Scripture, being able to teach sound doctrine and rebuke uh, error. So that, that's kind of the summary of the message. That's good. So one thing that I'm thinking, and I thought about this, I mean, maybe even before you even started preaching, I was like, I've got to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Um, so in churches, we have elders, pastors, mm-hmm. and then we have people who we who serve as ministers. You know, mm-hmm. what what is the difference between an elder and a minister, if there is one? Mm-hmm. And is it right to hire people to serve on a ministry staff who don't meet the qualifications of an elder? Yeah, so if you read the scripture, it says, I mean, even in Titus yesterday, it, it referred to um the elders that Titus was to look for was to be people was to be males um, who uh, even if they if they were married they were to be a mm-hmm. husband of one wife um, and then that also it, the pronouns all throughout that are masculine meaning it's pointing to him as as a male and so uh, an elder it, first the same in first Timothy uh, that's seen there and so the elder is the overseer of a church and and when the elder is used in the New Testament it's used in a plural form meaning that there's mm-hmm. there is to be multiple elders and they're setting kind of the vision direction of the church they're teaching uh, and leading uh, the congregation where it needs to go. And so the question is, is what's the difference between a pastor and a, and a minister? Um, and I would just say that ministers don't hold the titles of, uh, of, of pastor mm-hmm. and, uh, or, or hold the office of pastor. 
and I think there's a place for both uh, on a church staff, and I think that they're they're both needed. Um, you, you know, the elders may be setting the direction and vision of the church. Um, they may be carrying the bulk of the teaching responsibilities within the church, uh, whether that's Sunday morning from the pulpit or, or in other capacities uh, throughout throughout the church throughout the week. Um, but these, uh, we the word ministers, they're, they're doing those things. They're helping carry out the vision. Mm-hmm. And mission of the church by providing spiritual care for people, walking alongside people, helping with administrative tasks, helping fulfill uh, the weekly duties that need to be done, and so those those things. Uh, one, our our Baptist faith and message speaks about men and women being equipped for mm-hmm. ministry and service and gifted for those things, and so uh, it, it allows the opportunity for women to serve in ministry in those ministerial uh, roles, but it also allows um, you know young guys in ministry that are trained. Uh, mm-hmm. who maybe aspire to be uh, an elder uh, for uh, a training ground for them to learn and grow in that capacity. And so, and it's, it's a good model um, for, uh, you know, the church to see uh, people using their gifts and abilities uh, yeah. without necessarily having to be an elder. Yeah. And uh, because that's how the church functions is um, uh, the majority of the people in the church are not elders. And so mm-hmm. uh, it gives them identification to see people who don't who don't have the title of elders or the position of elders and to see them live out their faith and their calling uh, and can inspire and move people uh, yeah. to follow, uh, to live out their, their faith and their own vocational calling. And yeah. if that's, you know, doctor or teacher or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I, don't know, good. I don't know if that answers no, your no, question, yeah. but... That's good. Yeah. And, and I think it's good to add, too, that leading... Leading a ministry doesn't equate to leading the church right. as a whole, yep. right? And so you mm-hmm. can lead different aspects of a ministry, mm-hmm. um, but not, you know, ignore what Paul is telling Titus yep. you know, or Timothy in, yep. in First Timothy. And the other thing in putting that in context, too, is these churches had no no known leadership. Yeah. And so he was establishing leadership. And so um, those qualifications are important to put somebody to oversee what's happening in the ministry yeah. within the churches there. And so uh, where uh, many of our churches today are um, are established and have leadership. And and uh, and so, you know, mm-hmm. there's already some elders, per se, or pastors on staff who are helping yeah. lead the direction of that. Yeah. And, so and let me add to that, too. I'm just kind of kind of not going off topic, but. Mm-hmm. hitting this a little bit longer. I mean, we talked about this yesterday at dinner. Um, and I think the rule too on podcasts when they're not live is not to use like references of time because that throw thing throws things off. But we were talking the other night at dinner um, about how, you know, there, there are some churches who don't care about the qualifications. I think what can easily happen is as you get more um, solidified in who you are and what you're doing, you just assume that the people you hire are going to yep. just follow the expectations of, yep. of leadership whenever mm-hmm. they don't. And so it's good that whether you're a brand new church or a church like ours that's you know existed for over 100 years, that you're mm-hmm. sticking to the qualifications yep. of an elder. And yeah, and I think even even the qualifications of an elder to a certain degree, these are, those are qualifications you want to identify in people uh, who aren't going to hold the office of of pastor? Yeah. but they're going to be on your ministry staff. Like you want people that are going to live above reproach or hold or hold firm to scripture. Yeah, uh, and not, uh, and not so being forth. a drunkard isn't something that's only reserved for pastors. <laughs> right, that's it's reserved right. yes. for all people. Uh-huh. Yes, that's exactly right. So um, that's good. So one thing you mentioned was how you weren't perfect. Pastors aren't perfect, um, and so it got me thinking. 
how does the expectation of perfection hinder a ministry? And I'm thinking of it one from pastors thinking they need to be perfect. How does that hinder their ministry? But two, also church members expecting their pa- their pastor to be perfect. And how does that hinder the ministry? Yeah. So from the pastor perspective, I think when when I think you should always have a goal to strive to be like Christ, which is is perfection. We know because of our sinful state that we'll fall short of that. But um, I think when the drive to be perfect, uh, if you can become overbearing uh, because you're trying to, to try to c- mm-hmm. control too much. Or I think the other side of that is, is you... Uh, you're underperforming, meaning that like you're not trying to rock the boat. You don't want to have difficult situations. And mm-hmm. so uh, you try to be this perfect guy that just sails this ship. And, and we just know this leadership and oversight, there's always going to be difficulty. And so I think the danger for the pastor is, is to pr- pursue perfection mm-hmm. in his life and in his ministry. Um, uh, if that becomes the goal in the end, he's either going to over shepherd or he's going to under shepherd, yeah. and and both of those uh, become uh, problematic. I think the other thing is is it, and part of that comes as you combat that by holding fast to scripture to remind yourself that you too need the gospel mm-hmm. uh, as well. On the other side of that, when churches have the expectation that their pastors are going to be perfect, it just puts un, unnecessary pressure on the pastor. Um, that he that he he begins to do things out of uh, pleasing people mm-hmm. rather than pleasing the Lord because uh, because of that pressure and and um, you know I, I the pastor is one of the one of the few places maybe coaches and uh, or and some maybe a few other professions where people have unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. upon them because of because they're in front of them every week or, yeah. or leading. And um, it's just kind of like if I was the if I was somebody else in the congregation, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be having mm-hmm. that. Now that is also to say that there's a reason why there's qualifications yeah. uh, for the leadership that they have a standard to live by and that they'll be judged by. Yeah. By the way, they shepherded people, but I think the pastors already know that. Yeah. Um, but when the church begins to cast those things on it, then it can really create a situation of more performance-based rather than rather than advancing the gospel and carrying out God's mission. Yeah, yeah so. that's good. One of my favorite um, pastoral books is "The Imperfect Pastor" by mm-hmm. Zach Eswine. I'm not sure if you've read it, but you know, one of his kind of taglines throughout the book um and he refers just like a bunch of different things but just like to summarize it he says that pastors don't need to repent for not knowing everything or being everywhere Mm -hmm. then you repent for trying to know everything and trying to be everywhere um i think what too many pastors want to do and too many church members expect of their pastors is to be jesus Mm -hmm. and we just yep we can't be jesus right absolutely Um, so last thing is you spent some time talking about um, the unnecessary expectations that um, churches or even pastors can put on their kids. And so um, w- what happens to a pastor's family when a church puts unnecessary expectations on their kids? And what, is, what do those unnecessary expectations look like? like? Like, how do I know I have this unnecessary expectation about your kids or someone else's kids? Yeah, I think because one of the qualifications of of an elder pastor is that they lead their family well, and that Titus even says that their children are believers or their children are faithful, that the church by nature knows that mm-hmm. um, because it's a qualification of it. And so they began to think that like the pastor's kids 
should be the perfect example for even my kids or, mm-hmm. or, or our church as to what this looks like. Because if he can't lead his family, then he can't lead our church. And so, and I think those two things go together. And a lot of times the kids become, uh, the, uh, they become the focal point of that because mm-hmm. it's like, well, the pastor's kids are unruly, so he can't rule his house. So it gives us a reason to be questioned whether or not he can, yeah. he can lead our church. And so then therefore the children can't be children because they live under this, this, in this fishbowl per se, where everybody can see what they're doing at all times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've been privileged to serve in, in, in churches for the most part who, uh, the church was gracious towards the pastor kids. They wanted to, they wanted them to just be normal kids. They didn't mm-hmm. come they didn't come tell on them every time they did something wrong in Sunday school or or uh, uh, or you know they acted up on a Wednesday night. They they weren't they weren't walking up and finding the pastor to do yeah. that. Or if they if they missed a church activity or event, you know nobody was questioning where they were and, and those kind of things. But then I've been in other places that like literally they were under such a microscope that if they did something wrong at school, somehow it got tracked back that the pastor's kid was a part of this at school. Mm-hmm. And and again, the negative part of that is is it just puts unnecessary pressure on kids to live. Uh, a certain way because they have to live this way because their dad yeah. uh, um, is in is in ministry and everybody's paying attention to that and they already know that like the, as a as a child they understand and know what their dad their, their what their dad's doing and, and calling and especially as they get older and so um, and so the, I think the negative effect is it really pushes probably pastors kids further away from the church mm-hmm. rather than rather than keeping them engaged yeah. in the church and and uh and you know god's obviously bigger than that and greater than that and and i think a pastor's responsibility with his kids is is important to what he shields them from and and what he uh you know how he helps them navigate those kind of situations mm-hmm. that occur yeah. and so yeah um and uh and so yeah like an instance of Hey, your child was acting up in class today, and asking instead of saying, "Okay, we'll take care of that when you know we get home," yeah. asking, "Were there other kids that were acting up in class today?" Right? Where yeah. it's it, you, you, you began to help other people see that it's not just the pastor's kid, or um, you help them see that you were a part of a group of people who were misbehaving, mm-hmm. and so that's why we're going to go home and have a conversation yeah. about it, right? Yeah. So, um, with that, so yeah, yeah, that's good. So if you had two more minutes on your sermon, what would you add? Um, I probably would have spent more time uh, maybe helping the church uh, formulate kind of their how they what to look for in leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I gave application points at the end, but I think I, I, I you know was just rushed through that endpoint. We're just helping them kind of formulate how do what how do I as a regular church member look for these qualities in yeah. individuals, um, and then I would have spent probably more time, you know, calling our church to actually stop and pray for our staff yeah. and and um, because I think that's an important piece is um, is listen these are what you're this is what you're looking for in your leadership, mm-hmm. um, so why why would we not pray for these things for them? Yeah, um, because. You know, you and I both know uh, we're just as susceptible to the enemy's mm-hmm. traps as anybody else, and so uh, we want to pray uh, that we'll be holy and upright yep. and uh, live blameless lives, and we, that we'll lead our families well, and so forth. And so, I think if I could have done anything different, I would have put that application point a little, stress that a little bit more yeah. at the end yeah. of the message. That's good. So, if you have not checked out the sermon, you can do so here on the 
uh, our Spotify homepage or, or our podcast homepage, wherever you might be listening, um, or on our church website, ivcshawnee.org. And we'd love to see you here this Sunday, 8.30, 9.45, or 11 o'clock. And then also, um, this weekend is our big weekend for our student ministry. So we'd love for you to just spend some time this week praying for our students and praying for um, team leaders, host homes, everyone involved. And we're looking forward to the Lord doing some big things. So thanks for joining us today. We hope you have a great week.